Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast for what I hope is a really special edition of the podcast. I am here at Jeff Sharp's Bike Ranch in Hachita, New Mexico for the second year in a row. I'm here covering the end of the Tour Divide. And just moments ago, I got done chatting with Ulrich, who uh, goes by Uba, and we just got done having a chat here at the bike ranch just moments ago. He finished uh, the Tour Divide yesterday. It's about 24 hours ago with a time of 14 days, 3 hours, and 23 minutes which has him as the second fastest finisher ever on the Tour Divide, coming in four and a half hours after Mike Hall's record. Um, But Mike Hall did a different route. The route has changed a little bit since Mike Hall set his record. And so we talked today on the episode about the two different routes and about the record and about how Uba feels about it, how he's feeling in general, and just all things Tour Divide. So I am doing something new and we just got done chatting. I am going to edit this episode right now and get it out into the world. So I'm going to make this intro sweet. Uh, But first off, congrats to Uba on an absolutely fantastic finish on this year's Tour Divide. He and several others put on a hell of a show and record or no record, he put in everything that he had and it was a lot of fun this year to be a dot watcher. He gave us a lot to be excited about and a lot of reasons to be glued to our screens while we watch the dots traverse all the way from Banff, Canada, down to Antelope Wells, New Mexico, along the Tour Divide. So let's get into that chat with Uba. But first, let's take a moment to thank the people that made this episode possible, starting with our latest patron. We'd like to thank Theros Western for signing up to be a patron. And we would like to thank all 343 patrons that support this podcast and help support things exactly like this. It's a 12-hour drive to get here from Texas, uh, not to mention wear and tear and just the opportunity cost of being gone. And I couldn't do this, this type of podcasting without the support of my patrons. So thank you to everyone who supports this work. And if you would like to also support the podcast, you can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. Now we'd also like to thank our friends over at hefe.bike. That is J E F E dot bike. That's the website address. And this is a great resource if you are an adventure cyclist, a bike packer. They carry specialized and hard to find items specifically for bike packers and adventure cyclists. Some of the things that you're going to find on their website are bike cockpit mounts, dynamo components, and many other hard to find items that help support riders that do this kind of thing. Speaking of this kind of thing, on the Tour Divide alone, over 40 riders are using the K-Lite dynamo hub system, uh, the charging system, their lights, their rear lights, the whole thing. And that is one of the main brands that they carry over at Hefe.bike. Another great thing about Hefe.bike is that they are riders too, and they ride and use all of the products that they have on their website. So they are personally tested by the owner and by the employees over at Hefe.bike. Not only are they testing them, but like I said, 40 riders on the Tour Divide this year are using K-Lite, which is 
almost half the field. This is a product that has been time tested, not only Tour Divide, but for bike packers and bike tours all across the world for many years. We had the owner of K-Lite on the podcast, Kerry State. He's been on here a couple times uh, to talk all about K-Lite. So if you want to know more about him and his products, we've got a couple episodes you can check out. But if you're looking for high quality bike packing gear, I, I highly recommend you check out my friends over at hefe.bike when you are looking for hard to find and bikepacking specific items. Again, to check out all their offerings, head over to hefe.bike. That's J-E-F-E dot B-I-K-E. All right, everybody. Today, back on the podcast, we got Eric from Old Man Mountain Racks. And Eric, I've been watching the Tour Divide, as I'm sure many of us have been lately. And one great thing that you can see on the Tour Divide is that there is a number of ways to approach bikepacking. Some people are out there taking in the scenic view. Some people are going for the record, although the mud has a little bit to do with that today. And it got me wondering, I'm curious what kind of ways that you have seen people using your racks as more of a tool to get outside and adventure in more unique ways. Yeah, we see all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, basically, if you can imagine carrying it in a car, we'll see it on a bike. Um, so it goes anywhere from people moving apartments or houses by bike and getting a crew of friends together. Uh, there's some really cool people that have just gone completely car free for skiing and snowboarding and are riding up to the mountains and then, you know, going on there, whether it's backcountry touring or even lift days and stuff, and then riding out. Um, we've definitely seen some great videos of people just passing the lines of cars waiting to get into the parking lot as they're riding by to get to the lift. That's um, right. You know, obviously we see tons of trail building, but then you get into just goofy stuff where you're going out to have fun. And so, like you said, you could be taking the scenic route or you could be getting into camp earlier. And so take a kite with you or, you know, some really, really nice binoculars and do some bird watching, or we've seen RC cars taken along. We've taken RC cars along when we did the Oregon timber trail and we're goofing around at camp. You know, basically it's like the, the bike is the means to do these other activities. It doesn't always have to just be the activity. Like obviously biking as the activity itself is fantastic, but there's plenty of other things we all love to do too. So um, yeah. watercolor in the woods or, you know, just get weird and think of what else you can take. Yeah. I loved, uh, I know you were telling me one about how someone took a telescope out, uh, to do, yeah. <laughs> were they doing astrophotography or were they just watching the stars? They were, I don't know if it started as astrophotography, um, but that's what they've been getting into now. And they're over in the UK. And so they've been shooting around the UK and Scotland, um, with a pretty big telescope, like it's, it's probably 24 inches long or something like that. And, you know, wow. eight inches around, like it's a, it's a big telescope and, um, they've got it strapped on a rear rack and sail out into the woods. Man, I, I really do love that. And as, as bike packing and bike touring and bike camping and adventure cycling and whatever other name we want to, uh, you know, assign to it continues to grow. We're going to see a, a hopefully a, a unique and a, a vast variety of people that want to go out and explore the outdoors. And that's something we talk about here a lot on the Bikes or Death podcast is, you know, the bike really is a tool to help facilitate what you want to be doing. And um, obviously, Old Man Mountain makes great racks that you can load up all kinds of gear. And I, I love this topic because 
we don't want people to be so narrow-minded, man. Let your mind be open, put some racks and bags on your bike and get creative and go out there and have fun in the outdoors, you know? Oh, for sure. And don't forget to tell us about it because we love collecting all these stories <laughs> of weird things. Like, I think two of the things I'm after right now is I want someone to go uh, set up like a tattoo for a day at the top of some mountain and set up a little tattoo shop. Uh, and then I met a falconer the other day, you know, that hunts with a falcon. Right. And I was talking to them about how, like, you know, you get to your place a lot faster by bike and that bird's just flying along. And I think they're going to get into that. So, <laughs> dude, I love that. Yeah. That is so cool. So, uh, that's, that's awesome. We love your racks. Uh, where can people go to find your rack? And we have a new discount code too. So tell them about the new discount code. Yeah, we have a new <laughs> discount code racks are death. Um, you can use it on the site, oldmanmountain.com. Uh, we're on all the social medias at Old Man Mountain Racks. Um, yeah, we're here. Hell yeah, man. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks. Have a good one. All right, everybody. That is it. All the bills have been paid, and now it is time to get to my chat with Uba. But first, let's have my friend Miles Arbor kick it off with the Bikes for Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Have you done a podcast before? Yeah, several times. Yeah? And uh, have you done an American podcast? Uh, no, not yet. It's my first one, actually. What other ones have you been on? I did uh, some with uh, with Christoph Strasser, the <coughs> winner of, uh, I guess, seven times winner of Race Across America, like supported ultra cycling. And uh, then most of the podcasts I did were like at home in Germany and Spain. Yeah. So home for you is Germany? I'm in a transition. Uh, I was born in Germany and uh, lived for 36 years there and currently moving to uh, to Spain. So I got the question, where's home? Uh, by a guy yesterday and I said like, I don't know, somewhere in between, but actually it's Germany, yeah. It's Germany. Yeah. yeah. After 30 so years. Yeah. I home is so. Germany. What, I think so. What's, uh, why are you going to Spain? Work? Uh, well, no, I know you work from home, so you could be able to work from wherever you want. Yeah. Um, actually, I've been in Spain since, uh, since two, two and a half years now. And I uh, was looking um, for, a, for a place to, to stay and get settled a bit. And uh, now found it in Spain because of, well, the weather is uh, is a bit nicer uh, mm -hmm. than in Germany, and um, it's uh, life is a bit more easy there in terms of not so much in a rush. All the people and a bit more relaxed, and like it's it's a lot about culture and the feeling. And I feel like just a bit better in Spain. Hmm. Do you have a family back home? Ah, uh, yeah, I have a, I have a wife. A wife? No yeah. kids? No kids yet. Okay. 
makes it a little bit easier to get away to do two week races <clears throat> yeah well i actually was uh was now or i am now four weeks on the road because i did uh, unbound xl before coming to to the divide oh wow uh so i spent in total four four and a half weeks in in canada and the u.s uh it's uh it's a while it's a long long time it is is that your furthest time away from you know the wife and home and out traveling yeah at some point you get if you are like in a dark moment you think like ah better be home and uh, better have a relaxed evening on the couch but in the next moment you also think like i know it's nice out here and like explore the world and it's a good mix have you been to america before uh only for business yeah so back in the days uh when i was uh when i was traveling a lot for for business just the classic fly somewhere have two meetings like stay a night in a hotel and fly back something like this never uh did a longer trip uh, to the us and that was also the main idea why i decided to do the combination of unbound and uh, and tour divide because for me it doesn't make so much sense to travel that far only for i don't know for unbound for a week of a weekend of racing sure i wouldn't wouldn't do it because i feel it's too much stress and too much footprint and too much everything just to ride a bike for 300 miles right and then go back and uh but the combination of it really like getting the feeling how the country takes and like seeing the country uh was a good opportunity and um i mean what what better can you do than going from canada to to mexico crossing the whole usa so yeah I think the only other thing you do is go from west to east coast now or east to west on the, you know, um, uh, they have that new one, the bike nonstop. Have you heard of this one? Bike US nonstop or bike stop. It's it's like the, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the race across America. It's like race across America, uh -huh. but it utilizes a lot of like uh, gravel roads uh. and uh, like rails to trails and that oh, kind of okay. stuff so less highway stuff yeah it, it sounds pretty cool that's cool yeah a few a few friends of mine from from europe did the uh, trans i'm bike race which is from uh, from west to east and they also just finished i don't know yesterday or the day before and uh they did like two and a half almost three weeks on the road and uh yeah that's uh, that's something different yeah I think you definitely picked the right, the right race. If I was gonna pick one, yeah, uh, personally. Yeah. Well, before we get too far uh, down the line here, uh, congratulations on winning the 2023 Tour Divide. Uh, I've a I asked you this yesterday when you finished, but you've had 24 hours to process it. Still, not a lot of time to process this big of an race, this big of a race, and this big of an accomplishment. But how are you feeling? Well, actually, I had 24 hours, but I wasted them with uh, with resting and eating <laughs> and uh, maybe uh, did the processing job for one or two hours. So uh, not too much, but I see it 
it was a huge thing it was a massive 14 days out there and um the conditions were i mean it was my first time so i cannot compare uh to other years but i guess the conditions we had this year literally had everything from a lot of rain to knee deep peanut butter mud which make you you're just getting stuck there um to to the heat in new mexico and uh i guess it was uh, i guess it was a tough year and um taking all this in consideration i guess the time i took to finish this off was was quite a good one and i'm i'm really getting getting proud of it yeah and and you should be i mean i think everyone who followed this race and who understands what could have happened this year with Mike Hall's record. Um, and it didn't because of mostly weather, right? Weather was the, the biggest factor. You were stuck in a porta potty for like 15 hours, which is the number one question we got. So we might have to, we're definitely gonna have to talk about the porta potty yeah. at, at, at some point, but I, it was a, it was a crazy year and it's crazy to see, uh, yeah, it was just crazy to see how fast you were going considering the conditions. And we all know that when Mike Hall set his record that the conditions were, by all accounts, pretty much perfect for the Tour Divide. Yeah. Any any thoughts about that, your relationship with the Mike Hall record? and Yeah, I mean, I clearly I stated it uh, beforehand, before I started it, and I made my ambitions clear. I came here... Uh, for the win and not only for the win but also for uh, the record it was my my clear goal but I also said clearly I am aware that it doesn't matter if I want it or something because you cannot in my opinion you cannot prepare for it or simply say this is my goal and I will do things to make it happen because in my eyes it depends 20 percent on what you want and if you want that time and the rest the 80 percent depends on however you want to call it like external conditions luck things Mechanical. whatever that are not under under your control and i was very aware of it that for me, it's important if I have a goal that I can be also realistic with it if something goes wrong and you realize that you can't reach your goal anymore, then you need to have like a plan B. Otherwise, you get really, you get in trouble. You get in a really bad situation because it's, uh, it's mentally tough anyway. And if you then realize you miss your goal, then it can be like you're halfway in and you're thinking about uh, just scratching because your goal is gone and right. that's 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 difficult so my plan b was always the goal is there you can do your best and i think when we hit atlantic city so um the last checkpoint before uh the great basin uh we were I guess six or 10 hours ahead of the record time. So there was fairly some, some advantage and it was doable. And then we hit the basin 
and I expected a time of like nine hours crossing it. In the end, we got stuck, and that's the the whole big story. Sure, we got stuck for 20, 26 hours, so lost quite some time. Twenty six uh, instead of nine. That's quite a bit, and uh, well, in the end. I catched up again uh, with the with the record time of Mike, but uh, like two days before the finish, I thought about it once again, if I could go or should go and really chase it down, try to make it last minute. And I realized that it still could be possible to catch it, but... I also realized it would add a massive amount of risk because, mm. yeah, then you sleep even less, you maybe do mistakes, whatever. And I thought, I'm here, I'm in since 11 or 12 days. I did a really good ride and I just don't want it to mess it up in the last two days just for chasing like a virtual time and having bad two days out there and i opted for just enjoy it and finish it as good as you can and in the end i came in uh, after 14 days three hours 23 minutes which is four four and a half hours slower <laughs> if you can say so uh slower than the record time uh considering and i found i only found it out afterwards uh that's actually not comparable 100 percent because back in the days 2016 they did like a different route in the north uh so coco claims one of the one of the big fun <laughs> fun climbs <laughs> where you just type two fun or type one fun uh, I don't know. I guess Coco Claims is a special category. Uh, who knows? Who doesn't know Coco Claims? It's it's a super steep climb, I guess, like 12% in average or something with massively huge rocks. Like so the size of your head, basically. Right? Yeah, basically the size of your head. So And you you push or carry the bike or whatever up for... I don't know how long it actually is. It felt like 20 kilometers. It probably isn't. It's it's not 10 miles, but it felt clearly like 10 miles. Um, so it's uh, it's a big one. It takes you some time and it takes some strain. Um, so back in the days, 2016, when the record was set, uh, they went around uh, on the road, which sounded to me like, oh yeah, why <laughs> didn't we do this as well? <laughs> but uh, it was fun anyway. So I guess... Um, no matter uh the record or not i guess it was it was a pretty decent ride yeah it was definitely a decent ride it was insane number one the time gap that y'all put on the record going into the basin and <clears throat> i was having conversations with myself because i knew i'd be here hopefully talking to you or whoever was going to be the winner and i'm narrating questions in my head like okay how do i feel about micro hall's record being down how do they feel about it what does this mean um and then i'm like okay well the record's not on the table this year and then you come out of the basin and catch up to it i'm like holy shit this guy's fast <laughs> i mean that it's crazy that you like caught up to him like oh maybe the record is still on the table and i don't think that i'm the only person who was going through that like 
thought process of like, oh, the record's going down. Oh, fuck, the record's not going down. Oh, shit, maybe the record's going down. But then, it's like you said, it is a different route. And I don't know how Matthew Lee... I don't know how they factor in the record because you you would have the record on this new route, obviously. Um, and I don't know how that... I guess the powers that be have to shake out how that all works out, don't they? I don't know. I haven't uh, I haven't talked to uh, to Matthew uh, about it yet, but uh, I got aware, and as I said, I'm like now 24 hours in, and I wasted most of time of resting and uh, <laughs> do, do, doing eating and stuff like this. So I didn't dig into it um, too much, but I I realized that there is uh, there is a big discussion ongoing with it, and um, I also realized that uh, the guys from uh, from dot watcher cc so from europe uh they had even a discussion with uh with mike's uh mike's mom uh about it how she feels um about the record in general and uh, it was a was a pretty interesting uh a pretty interesting read that they integrated into um into their race report and she basically said I never met Mike, me personally, I never met Mike, um, but uh, she said he was, uh, he was a guy who was very happy for, um, for any kind of competition and uh, a record is there to be chased and uh, he would have been very happy if it, if it happens and he will be happy whenever it happens in the future because it shows that people try to do their very very best and try to get ahead of something and set set a new time which other people then can chase and the record is there to be beaten at some time it yeah so it's a it's a natural thing and uh i mean there were some interesting points that i liked i haven't checked and haven't read the discussion but i just heard like from from third party uh what is going on on there and there were also discussions about uh does it really matter uh if mike's dot uh is moving at a record dot every year on the divide or can't there be like two dots one for the record maybe also on the new route and um maybe just one dot for mike who is a big part of um, this community and he basically brought all the bikepacking thing to Europe catching it from from here from the US and why not have Mike start racing the divide mm. every every year just like because he is like <clears throat> just because he is Mike and just because right. he did such a great job on all the community and he brought us together in Europe and uh, we all know that uh he started the thing and he brought it to to Europe with with transcontinental race yeah. and uh we now have dozens or hundreds of races uh and a pretty active community um in Europe and we all know who started with it and that's <clears> a good thing. I really like that idea. We'll see what the powers that be have to say about it, but it does seem like a nice thing to do to to continue to honor him. Uh, and show respect for what he did not only on this race but for this sport at large around the world you know i mean he 
he's captured the hearts, the minds, the inspiration, the competition of, you know, hundreds of hundreds of people all over the world. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a little bittersweet to think his record might come down, but I absolutely agree with what you said. He was a, he was a competitor and, uh, records are going to come down, but, but also, like you said, this is a long, long race and there are so many variables that come into place. And, uh, yeah, your, yours this year were water, well, rain, mud and wind, I think were the, the three main, you know, factors you were having to deal with. I'm curious, like how much do you care? I mean, you came here with the express goal of, of beating the record, not just winning, but beating the record. How much do you care now in this moment about this ongoing discussion and, you know, whether or not you think you should have the record on this course? Like, what, do you have any personal feelings on it? Actually, not yet, because uh, I haven't processed uh, the whole thing of finishing in this time yet. I only I only see... Uh, that it was a big ride and um, no actually the simple and short answer is is no I don't have feelings yet about it Um, the only thing I can say I'm um, I'm not upset or anything that I didn't run less than 13 days and 22 hours something I'm not I'm not upset with it I'm I'm fine with my time and I know that I probably did my did my very best on the on the last stretch coming here uh i've thought about a few situations in the race where i literally wasted time and i identified three four or five moments where i probably lost something like three to four hours just literally wasting time because Mm. you are in in a bad mood there was there was one morning where i got up uh in a uh, in a hotel and was just sitting on the floor for 45 minutes just crying and for no special reason i just was i just was hanging there and crying and this this is what i considered like wasting time Mm. but um this identified three four hours uh, out of 14 days this is not much so uh, i can say i did my very best i didn't waste time too much so there is nothing where i can say if you have done this and that then you could have saved like half a day and you were like easily without doing anything you would easily have been um, ahead of time but as I say uh, I did my very best and uh, that's why I'm totally happy with it and all the rest of the time that I wasted was not so much because I was actively actively wasting but let's say outside conditions right were, were, were helping me to waste time that's the 80 percent you're talking about yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. the 80 of things that could happen will is this a monkey that is on your back that you need to come back and and do again like where are you at with 
you know, you missed it by four and a half hours. Theoretically, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I think the fact that the internet and there is so much conversation that's happening right now about the record, I think in some ways it's a compliment to you. I think it's a big compliment to you because people are like, hey, this guy did something that we need to talk about uh-huh. and we need to acknowledge that and figure out, you know, it's not for me to say, and I guess probably not you for you to say, but um, I think it, it's cool that people are acknowledging yeah. what happened and this this accomplishment is worth talking about yeah um but let you know are you interested in coming back if 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 you don't wind up getting like an official the new fkt on this new route is it a is it a thing where you'll want to come back and do it again uh i was uh, i was thinking about doing the divide again uh because i really like the route but I definitely can say I will not come back next year or whenever just to chase uh, just to chase the record because as I said it's nothing it's nothing what I can do just because I want it there is still this 80% which is not in my hands so it it wouldn't make sense to me to come back next year and say let's go for a chase on a record and invest another 14 days whatever on the bike just to find out that next year i will get stuck in snow and indiana pass or something and then also again realize yeah well you did good but you cannot get the record because there was a ton of snow Mm -hmm. between you and uh, and the descent so if it would be more in my hands then i would say like yeah give it a try maybe um but as it is not in my hands uh i will not not chase it it's nothing i have an obsession about it so um i'm i'm happy with it um how it is and i would more say the reason why i do it is to see new places to experience countries to experience routes and if i could decide what i do next year at the same time then i would say pick any random route that i want to see and there are there's a long 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 list and i would pick uh another route Mm. and just just go for this one yesterday evening uh here on the on the Hachita bike range there is uh, in the kitchen there is an image from uh from the map of mexico on the wall and i saw it and i don't know why but um i remember that i met uh, a few guys on uh on a race i did last year the across uh, andes race and they were from mexico and i remember this moment and the time with them and i remembered uh the baja divide and i thought like yeah maybe this one is is something which could be next and i'm more looking forward to uh to do new things yeah and try them instead of chasing things on routes that i have already done there is simply too much right to see and uh i think it's it's more worth it to see new things than to chase to chase minutes and hours on routes you already have experienced there's simply too much to see for one life and yeah i like that answer you know myron that's here 
Uh, do you know he has the current FKT on the Baja Divide? Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, we talked about yeah. it. Yeah. I found out that last night. Yeah, he's a he's a really interesting guy and a strong rider too. Um, but yeah, so I I have to admit, I mean, one of the cool things about bike pack racing at this stage is that there's a lot of great athletes out there. There's a lot of, there's so many, if you go to like bikepacking.com and look at the events list, like I can't even keep up at this point. When I started this podcast five years ago, I felt like I knew everybody. I felt like I knew all the routes. And now it's like, who, who is Uba? Who, you know, <laughs> uh, but you're uh, and and for the listening audience, your name is Ulrich and you go by Uba sometimes for Americans or <laughs> uh, actually um, my name is Ulrich Bartholmös um, and it's whew, 15 almost yeah more than more than nearly 20 years back I was working in a company uh, and they created email addresses with one letter of the first name and two letters of the last name um. and for everyone where it was like kind of pronounceable uh, the one was called like this um, in the company so I was called Uber, and uh, I had the talent to always have people from my former company coming with me or were already there on the next company when I did a change. So the name came with me in the business for, for years and years. And uh, in the end, it, it ended up to, to be like an artist name or something. And even my wife calls me like this and uh yeah it's it's more like my my normal name now i don't know it's <laughs> uh, it's a bit strange but it is and yeah and also in in an in international context like uber is a bit more pronounceable for everyone um than this typical german ulrich name where yeah. everybody struggles a bit about it <laughs> well thank you for making the i guess your company made us made it easier on us 15 <laughs> yeah. years ago so, Uba, tell me a little bit about um, what experience you've had in bikepack racing. That, because to come to the Tour Divide with the express goal of I want to have the fastest known time against a record that stood for seven, eight years, that's a big statement. And I have to assume you've had some experience along the way that put you in a position to make a statement like that. Like fill us in on some of the experiences that you've had. Yeah. I started bikepacking racing actually back in 2019 by accident. <laughs> um, yeah, literally. I was doing for four or five years in Europe. We have this Grand Fondo-like races, which is oh, yeah. uh, like one day races uh, with maybe like max 100 miles or something. And uh, I did a lot of, a lot of them uh, in the Alps in Germany, Austria, Switzerland. And uh, I discovered the longer the races are, so if they get maybe direction 200 miles and a bit more climbing, um, the more I like them. And uh, I did a race, uh, it's called Tour du Mont Blanc. It's in France around the, uh, about the massif of the, of the Mont Blanc, the big mountain. And uh, I was pretty good in this one and wanted to do it in 2019 again, but uh, in summer I was touring uh, whole Spain and Portugal with my van. And um, there was, it was not possible to get there because it was too far away. 
and I researched what can you do uh, in Spain instead. And in Spain, there is not such a thing like this one day races. They only like have the small community races where you race basically around the church mm. and um, this crit things. And the only thing I found was a little longer distance uh, was a race called Transpyrenees. And it goes from, from the Mediterranean Sea, from the east, all along the, uh, the Pyrenees to the west, to, uh, to the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, this, is, uh, this is nearly a thousand kilometer long. So... Uh, how many? 600 and something miles 700, 600, 700, 700 miles yeah and I thought heck yeah this is maybe a bit too long for things I consider long but let's try it and this was my very first bikepacking race in June uh, 2019 and I started it and um, I won it without any experience and without any clue what I'm doing and how many people were in the field Oh, it was already 100, 150. Wow, so big. Yeah. So it was a was a big event, yeah. And um, I had a big saddle pack with me, stuffed with 14 liters of things. And I also remember I had a shaver with me. I don't oh, know why. A what? A shaver. What's that? Sh oh, a, a shaving kit. Like a sha for, shaving kit, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't know why. But I remember this, so and that's 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 a good image. I just had the 14 liter saddle pack, stuffing it with, with things you didn't even need. Uh, yeah, what for? I don't know. And it was my very first uh, bike packing race, and uh, I won it. And the organizers, they were also let's say surprised, and uh, they were wondering. Uh, and became good friends and we had a discussion about it like how did you do this if you have don't don't have any experience and this and that i said like yeah i don't know and they said like yeah obviously you have a talent and they uh, did a second race they organized it's called uh, transiberica um which goes around uh, the whole um spanish and uh, portuguese um peninsula and it has uh a distance of I guess 2,000 miles so a triple the, the triple to Trans Pyrenees and uh, they had it like four weeks later or something and they invited me and said like come and try this one and I was like ah isn't that too long and <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't sure and it took actually two days and I said like yeah hell yeah I'm in and I went there and also won it and wow. uh it went like this uh for a time and uh i basically was was pretty successful for uh for quite a while on every race um i started and i got a bit into it and um got a bit addicted to it and it got a bit worse <laughs> <laughs> and uh the good thing your addiction got worse but your results got better or continue to stay good <laughs> yeah yeah um and the good thing is uh that I learned a lot uh, on these races. First, I raced only road. Um, then I raced, uh, I raced gravel as well. And uh, now converted a bit into the middle between gravel and mountain bike. And um, I choose Tour Divide 
because I think uh, it's a good route to make the conversion uh, from gravel to mountain bike racing um, because it has some some aspects uh, like there are uh, remote areas and remote stretches uh, the route is not too technical you actually don't really need um, a mountain bike you just add comfort with big tires and um, maybe a suspension fork or something but besides that it's it's not so mountain bikey um, but it adds like the remoteness and stuff which you definitely need on on serious mountain bike racing and uh, I felt it's a good event to learn things right. for for mountain biking because it's still the US has a pretty good infrastructure for everything you know if you get into serious trouble you will have a search and rescue team somewhere nearby and they will get you out and somewhere soon and uh one one thing that is uh that is on my list for for yeah someone when the time has come is uh the the race in kyrgyzstan uh silk road mountain race yes and uh i haven't done it yet because i don't feel ready for mm. it yet i have to learn things for it and i i take risks seriously and i think if you get in trouble somewhere in the back country of kyrgyzstan you don't hit the sos button on your in-reach device and get help within a few hours there is no such thing there's actually one hospital or something in the whole country or mm -hmm. something like what we would consider as a hospital <laughs> yeah that there, there's maybe like a medical yurt out there but <laughs> i don't know if you get into serious trouble basically the organizer will come and uh, we'll get you out of there mm. and no uh, depending on where you are it could take a time yeah and uh, therefore i need to feel prepared and need to feel ready and uh, <clears throat> that's why i thought to divide is a good thing uh to learn from it and uh this is the the reason why uh why i came here and this is also the reason where i was confident to say i will do to divide and i will try to try to win it and i will try to go for the record time because i had i felt i had the experience uh from all the races i did before and i felt my preparation was good so i was confident to make make this statement and express this goal and uh, really measure myself against it yeah, it puts more pressure on you when you put it out there in that way. Like you could just go and do it, but to say, because I, I read your social media, you put it on social media. I'm uh, going out there for the FKT. Take me back to twenty nine June of 2019. I'm really curious to know what you think you're like, do you think it's a natural talent? Do you think that you're preparing harder than other people? Like, especially just in the beginning, because you've learned a lot since June of 2019 but what initially do you think was the thing that helped you to win that race and then subsequently the one four weeks after that? Uh, I think back then it couldn't be the preparation for for the bikepacking thing in general because I had no experience. So there was nothing to, to prepare and uh, the fact that I brought this shaving kit with me <laughs> i mean i could have studied kit lists or 
or things on the internet where people report what they take on the races but obviously i didn't because i had a shaving kit and i can't answer the question right now why i took it for a two or three day race but i felt like yeah would be beneficial to to shave at some point i don't know drop some weight from 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 your beard or something uh so i think what's helpful is uh that i'm a good endurance athlete and i already noticed that beforehand as i said i figured out the longer the races are the more climbing they have the better i get i don't have the highest maximum power on the climb for 30 minutes there are people that are that are faster than me but if you put like 20 climbs for half an hour people get tired and get slower and i can go just constantly slower in the beginning but in the end uh, i will be will be probably faster because i go constant and uh that's pretty much helpful for uh for this this long distance races and um you can you can clearly see that why my sweet spot starts maybe at 300 400 miles minimum minimum um and uh i start to feel right if it is something like at least two days so two nights um then i feel like that's the right length for me that's crazy i read on your instagram you're trying to find your rhythm so that's what you were talking about is once you you need to get into the race to find that rhythm and then once you're in it you just find a place where you're really comfortable yeah that's crazy were you an, an endurance athlete prior to getting into bike pack racing uh for uh for maybe five years um i did this uh did this one day races grand fondo like races in, in in europe uh before that i had a phase that i call i was only riding the office chair mm, yes so i was i was racing downhill races um when i was going to school and then i went for studies and didn't do uh, didn't do anything on a bike for 10 or 15 years 10 years 10 years uh and i was a bit more that i'm now so uh, i said like yeah i was a bit chubby and just driving the office chair mm -hmm. <laughs> man so are you comfortable are you okay yeah you're okay all right that's good yeah just sitting on the floor when did you uh when did you decide I'm going to take on the Tour Divide, and and how did you prepare for this this event? It was last year in October, November, when I made plans for for my season 2023. Uh, back then, I decided for the whole U.S. thing, including Unbound XL and uh, and Tour Divide, and uh, then I started uh, preparation uh, on the first of December. Uh, or yeah like the new season i always make this cut at a certain point of time and then say like everything you do now is for next year and mm. um i did this on the uh, on the first of uh first of december uh right after 
uh, I finished and won uh, race across Andes in Chile, I guess, on the on the 30th of November. <laughs> so I took a short break and uh, immediately carried on preparing 2023. And uh, the preparation for, for this year and for Tour Divide uh, was super different than what I did the years before because it involved a lot of new work so I had to set up um, a new bike I couldn't use uh, like my road bike or my gravel bike obviously for a photo divide I need something else and uh, it brings in a lot uh, of new questions uh, you need to answer on the setup in terms of which packs do you do you use which which wheel size do you take do you use a suspension fork or not uh, does it need a lockout how to how to put a lockout then i came across this question and things with with flat bars and drop bars on the mountain bike and uh, find my own solution on it went for a drop bar uh, for for a simple reason that I'm training mostly uh, on the road and the gravel bike and as soon as I got on this massive massive flat bar thing I felt like uh, that's strange <laughs> and I thought if you are on it for 10 days and you need an excuse why you absolutely cannot continue because of it's impossible to continue the problem will be the handlebar <laughs> you find an excuse like yeah you saw it like and you you know the handlebar will be a problem and you can't continue and you stop here and that's why i changed the handlebar uh to to a drop bar because i feel more confident on it and this was was the one part uh, of the preparation um, and uh, the second part uh, of the preparation was um, was the training, which was also totally different um, to the years before. Um, in early spring, I even started uh, going to the gym and doing some weightlifting because, uh, well, my arms are not so... You look, you're a cyclist. You have cyclist arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have, I have cyclist arms, but uh, I thought it could be um, beneficial um, on a mountain bike or gravel, however you call to divide thing. It could be beneficial to be a more complete athlete. Yeah. Um, because I mean, on road, you 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 climb a mountain and then you just roll it down. You can eat, you can do whatever on the bike. It's comfy, you're just rolling. On the mountain bike or on the divide, it's different. Also, some climbs, uh, some, some mountains, I found the climb more relaxing and easy than the descent. Where the descent takes much more, where you have to hold the handlebar and everything is shaking and bah, hell yeah. Um, and I thought uh, preparing this with uh, specific training in the gym, also pushing the bike, it's completely different than riding a bike or hiking with, with the bike on your back. Uh, and the bike fully loaded, it has some kilograms. And um, I thought could be a good idea to, to train for this as well. And so I implemented uh, this in my training schedule uh, as well. And this was was different than before but definitely helpful yeah so <clears throat> two piggyback questions on that right there um is there anything from your from the equipment side that you you would change um and then 
on the preparation side, the training side, like, well, actually answer the first question first and then we'll get to the next one. Uh, equipment wise, I was, uh, I was totally happy. Um, and I wouldn't change uh, my kit much. I figured out uh, I had too much with me. So there were quite, there were a ton of items that I didn't use at all. I had arm warmers and leg warmers that I don't use. I had a long sleeve jacket that I didn't use. I had um, a merino wool uh, long sleeve jersey that I didn't use. Uh, I had thermal gloves that I didn't use and some more items. So yeah. um, this was quite a lot and uh, but I wouldn't change it because uh, conditions could be different and could be worse. Mm. And uh, I was basically running all the nights uh and when it was a bit chill i was using my rain pants i had long rain pants um and uh, a rain jersey rain anorak i was using them because they were windproof as well and pretty comfy so i didn't use the uh the leg warmers arm warmers or or anything but if it would have been much colder and snowing uh probably leg warmers and arm warmers below and even a long sleeve on top uh below the rain kit would have been beneficial right so even if i haven't used those items uh i would take them or i would bring them again because conditions could be different well that's a good question is there anything that you wish that you had that you didn't have on this ride uh no you I, had everything. I, I, I didn't miss anything. No. What about your, one of the questions we got on Instagram <clears throat> was about your sleep kit, your minimalist sleep kit. Was that, did it, what was your sleep kit, I guess, first? And then did it work for you? Uh, my sleeping kit is, uh, is a Tamarest Uberlite uh, inflatable mattress. Um, and uh, it's an uh, sole emergency BV, a BV bag. And my idea was, uh, if I sleep, uh, I always prefer to sleep sheltered in any kind of <clears throat> any kind of infrastructure. Mm. So, I don't know. Behind the supermarket, you will find some cardboard boxes or whatever. And uh, with this sleeping kit, in infrastructure, you can make yourself comfortable. I don't. I haven't planned to sleep like in the middle of the forest or in the middle of the in the middle of nowhere um, because then you probably need something else but if you plan to to sleep in infrastructure then this thing is fine because uh, also infrastructure gives you shelter and gives you like but you're yeah, out of the wind the yeah rain, you get out of the wind snow. and everything and then you you need less and also uh, the kit uh, is designed uh, for not an eight-hour proper sleep thing, but for <laughs> three, four hours, and you will be fine in it. Uh, what about contingencies? I mean, you talked about carrying like extra clothes if it gets too cold. You know, what if you have to bivy up in the middle of nowhere for I don't know, mud gets you stuck in a basin or something like that. Yeah, then uh, then for sure, uh, you can get into trouble. 
and uh, clearly when when we hit the basin and we hit the mud uh, we realized that we are now in trouble and uh, then you can you can basically do two things uh, one is you have a proper sleeping kit and you pitch your tent somewhere and you get into your cozy sleeping pack uh, your sleeping bag and you just wait it out um, this is the one option uh, and the other option is no matter what happens you keep on going and uh, between the both uh, I think I know which one you were going to pick <laughs> yeah between the both is, uh, it's, it's it's more or less uh black and black and white there is not so much gray uh and actually when we hit the basin and we came into this trouble uh we found the gray and the gray was this tiny toilet thing <laughs> but uh yeah you cannot uh, you cannot count on it but uh my take for it was ha i have enough clothes for for um, quite a good temperature um and i only have to make sure that i have enough food mm. and then i can get through through a while of trouble and this was my my contingency just to have have enough food the closest you have will be fine um and i mean i didn't plan for the worst if, if the temperature drops to arctic temperature because of yeah because of whatever some freak storm that rolls yeah in. then then you cannot i mean you cannot you can prepare for it and bring like an arctic sleeping kit with you but but then you're not racing that then you are not racing then you are carrying a trailer <laughs> with all eventualities yeah you're never going to have everything that you need well i guess you could you could have a trailer but you're not racing at that point yeah yeah you're not racing all right. So what about what it was it about your training for the Tour Divide that you think prepared you the most for doing well on it? Uh I guess the uh, um the combination of um of strength training and uh, training on the bike. So I also did uh, a lot of mountain bike um specific trainings uh with low cadence and high torque which you need on on very steep climbs and um it's uh it's a different style of riding and different uh kind of preparing the muscles for this uh yeah for this exercise um which you probably don't need on on road or something because yeah. roads are barely that steep like some of the climbs we had here so the cross training yeah you said you tour divide is a great race to learn on for me for you yeah. yeah for you from your perspective i can't ask you for other people but for you you said it was a good one to learn on uh was it and if so what did you learn and what did you take away uh from an experiential standpoint on this race um it definitely was uh it was a good experience and was uh was a good ra race to learn uh I learned uh I learned a lot um additional on um on the material on the kit which has to be uh really really resistant and uh, I would put or in future I will put more focus on 
um, on reliability. So in the first days I had um, a few problems uh, with my electronics. I was running a Dynamo Hub and uh, was running the front light with the, or, uh, the light system with the Dynamo Hub and I was also uh, <coughs> running a USB charger uh, with the Dynamo Hub and uh, yeah, uh, all the rain and the mud um, they messed up a bit with the with the connectors and uh, this wasn't the most reliable uh, construction I did. It was done by myself, so <laughs> can't blame anyone than myself. <laughs> um, I learned uh, to focus more on, on reliability um, there. And uh, also I learned to, I have to, I have to look more into detail uh, and I did in the second half of a race. Uh, I have more to look into detail about resupply points. Uh, I never run short on uh, on food or water, but uh, let's say close to it because I didn't check. When I was resupplying, I just got stuff and thought like, yeah, you will get something again um, for dinner. But I didn't get anything for dinner because there was simply nothing which was not a problem because I had enough with me, but some points you have like, yeah, you want to have proper dinner in terms of, I don't know, proper as a pizza, as a burger, as something solid. Right. And not only <clears throat> chocolate bars, nuts, gummy bears, what do you have with you? Yeah. And um, that I learned, I, I had like the point of interest list I just have to look into it and, and at some points I didn't do it uh, it wasn't a big problem but you have to invest more time to think ahead and also not only one station ahead but two stations ahead because it can happen that you get stuck somewhere and then you will be you will be happy to have have a bit more uh, than just to take you to the next station especially if you're cold and you're shivering and burning extra calories one of the things uh, Justin has said about you and Justin S is was our second place finisher this year and he's he's here at the bike ranch uh, somewhere but he talked and y'all rode a lot together this year we're very close throughout uh, much of the race actually pretty much the whole fucking race uh, but he commented on how fast you are in resupply points. Like he said, I'd go take a shit. And by the time I was done, you had already got everything you need, packed your bag, repacked your bag and we're ready to go. Uh, is that just the German in you showing through or what? <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not sure about it, but, uh, Tour Divide was my first race where I was riding the massive amount of time with other people. Uh, like with Justin and with uh, with Jens in the beginning, uh, it was uh, at a point that were the three of us, and uh, yeah, we were still uh, we were still racing it. And I mean, you have to because everyone has to has his his own pace. You can't like roll as a group for for the whole day because everyone has has different hours when he feels good and bad and when you feel good you want to go and when you feel bad you want to just crawl along and uh, so we're basically leapfrogging each other but as the route is fixed and as um the the points where you can sleep or where you can resupply they are a bit of rare you you end up there 
mm. and even if you don't ride together i don't know uh for example brush mountain lodge you end up being there all together because there is nothing else nearby you, you don't pick like the hotel next door it's different if you are uh, in, in kind of a city or something uh it happened also sometimes that uh Justin and me, uh, we ended up in the same city, but he slept somewhere, I don't know, and I slept in a hotel. Mm. And um, then you you meet at the gas station and carry on together or whatever. Um, but Tour Divide was the first time um, that I experienced this kind of uh, this kind of yeah riding with other with other people, and uh, I also learned that it actually it actually slowed me down. Because if I hit a gas station, I prepare the hours before what I will do there. Uh, I think about what I will buy in food. I think about what I will be buy in drinks and what else I will do. I will, will go to the toilet or I will clean my bike or I will do this and that. And then I have a clear plan and then I hit the gas station and then I get just do things and then I just leave. And traveling with uh with the other guys um on the gas stations it somehow felt like we having like a neutralized time <laughs> so it was like we hitting we coming there together or after each other and it felt a bit like yeah we are now here let's have a seat let's have a pizza um and then then leave together and it it was for for a moment uh the competition was i was not feeling the competition anymore mm. um, no, normally you go like yeah nice i met justin at the gas station if i can shave like 10 minutes off uh then i have an advantage of 10 minutes because i can be faster on the gas station um but for any strange reason uh it felt wrong to to sneak away <laughs> on a gas station when Justin is uh, is on a toilet or something that's like, like ah 10 minutes i know the guy he's 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 slow on the toilet and yeah. just sneak away it felt more like the race should be uh should be decided on uh on the route actually and uh while we were riding at some point the three of us Jens and Justin and me uh we had a discussion about uh, about our ambitions and how to get there and how we should handle the situation that we are three together and it was not not that easy uh to escape it wasn't that you just say like okay bye guys i will go for a ride because you will see them again mm -hmm. and if you attack you will have a bad time two hours later and they will catch you again and if you drop back they will have a bad time and you will catch them again and so and we discussed a bit about it and i said like yeah guys it's it's not even halfway let's just ride bikes and as i said on my uh how to reach the goal thing 20% is what we want to do and 80% is what whatever happens and exactly this uh got reality right. so Jens was not waiting to get like nerve damage in the hands um but he got it it was out of his control uh and he dropped back and uh I had 
some problems and and technical issues and bad times and i dropped back and uh justinas went for it and at some point it changed again and we were like i don't know the one day justinas had all day 20 30 miles advantage on me and i was not able to to catch up and then in the night i catched up and it was going like this all the time and i guess it was was exciting to watch to because it was not predictable like like last year sofian did uh did a massive 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 effort in the beginning and he had a good advantage and um i'm not saying that it's easy but your main task then is to maintain this uh this advantage and make sure to to weight risks and do things just to make sure you carry it home but you'd still have to carry it home i mean sofian went for this massive effort and the first two days so he still had 12 days to go to carry this to carry this advantage yeah. home and this advantage weights weights a lot you have a lot extra weight to carry and um this time it was but at the at last year then it was kind of predictable in terms of yeah if sofian ma maintains uh the advantage and if nothing serious happens to his equipment or to him it was relatively clear that he as an experienced racer he knows what he's doing hmm. uh it was no surprise let's say it like this that that he will bring it home um but this year it was a bit more yeah the, the unknown fact and a bit more exciting because there was so much change uh and uh, so much going on in the in the top 10 back and forth and back again uh that i guess it was pretty exciting to watch and it still is there are still battles uh outside there for the positions where you can't predict who is coming six or seven and that's totally exciting to watch yeah what was it like from your perspective i mean just you as an athlete did you like having other people around or would you have preferred to be in your own race your own speed a lot of people get benefits from like you know seeing somebody else and talking to somebody it's like an you know emotional support mental boost um but everybody's different where do you land on that what was your perspective from that leapfrogging uh, it was a, it was a good mix uh because we had days uh where we saw each other a lot and where we were riding whether next to each other chatting or where we were riding i don't know the other guy like 500 meter in front and you were just doing your thing on the bike and eating and he got away for a bit more and then you only saw him on a long straight thing or whatever and then he stopped for a pee and you passed him and like this kind of thing you were in the uh in the range with people uh and then were days where so no but nobody i know they are like nearby five miles ahead or five miles behind but uh it's too long it's half an hour or whatever uh so you don't meet them if you stop for a quick piss or something and the mix made it uh made it interesting and made it nice um and it was a good experience as i said it was the first time for me to uh 
to see so many people, or well, many, but <laughs> to, to, to see other people um, late in the race, because normally uh, on the longer races, yeah, you see each other on the beginning and then everybody is somewhere stuck in his own rhythm and in his, his, his own pace. But this was, uh, this was interesting. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy. Y'all couldn't shake each other. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think anyone was, was holding back. I, I y'all were just all very strong riders and very, uh, equally matched, uh, for a lot of the race until Jans had his hand problems and, yeah. uh, uh, what is it? Is Eustace not Justice? Ju just uh, uh, Justinas is his Justinas uh, is his uh, Lithuanian name, but the, the the English translation basically is is Justin. Justin, okay. Well, Justin, he had all kinds of mechanicals. I've met. I saw him on course. He's having to kick his derailleur to get it to shift. His pedal fell off, and so his pedal legitimately was not attached to his crank. Um, yeah, which which makes for a hard go. Were you worried about any, like how much were you racing against those guys and how much were you able to stay in your own race? Uh, good question. Um, I, I always try to focus on, um, on my own race, on my own ride, uh, because you, you can't really influence uh, what others are doing or what happens to others and uh, if you get if you get mechanical issues um, and you lose time you have to deal with them uh, as well and um, so I, I think it's better to, to focus on your own than to focus too much um, to focus too much on others um, but sure uh, if you know that you match with them uh, equally as uh, as an athlete you have to think about how to make an advantage and at what point and uh, sure there were some some thoughts uh, that uh, yeah that I just thought like yeah in the end it could be a decision of how everyone goes on the last whatever 700 kilometers 700 miles uh how to tackle them with without sleep with less sleep whatever because uh you will not ride you will not find the advantage on the route riding you do not gain two hours advantage just by riding because therefore we were we were just too equal yeah if we are crawling we are crawling the same tempo if we are going fast we are going the same fast and then it doesn't matter if you go i don't know 15.5 or 16 miles an hour it's not it's not about it's not about 15 miles or 20 miles so then you gain advantage but if you're only like half and half a mile faster if you can tell like this uh an hour then it's not you're not gaining anything that's where your uh, German efficiency and your resupplies comes in handy. Yeah. I mean, you said it's kind of unfair, but you know, in in this form of cycling, uh, that is a legitimate way to gain time on your opponent. Yeah. Is is being efficient on everything, having a minimal sleep kit, yeah. having a plan when you go into the gas station, knowing what you need, yeah. the efficiency to be able to maintain yourself and your bike and all your equipment 
is is a huge factor whenever you get to the end of the race over 14 yeah. days yeah and i definitely uh, i definitely did it my style when i was when i was arri arriving at a gas station alone and like uh, justin was i don't know 20 miles back then i didn't do like the slow gas station visit i just did my own pace like and then it adds me like 20 minutes of advantage again because uh maybe justin will resupply it there as well but he will maybe like take 20 minutes more but it is like it is yeah but he um, also told me he liked to talk to the dot watchers so he would <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no and uh at some point you realize that there are some facts uh that are going on on the race that you just have to do because they make you happy yeah and if you have to take your time on a gas station and at some point when i had a pretty bad time for uh for two days i tried to navigate myself out of there and i simply stopped for every dot watcher who was on the route i just saw them they were waving and i just stopped for for a two-minute chat just like yeah just greeting them having a quick chat with them and this added like good spirits to me mm -hmm. and uh funny enough i had a call with my wife and i told her yeah i'm stopping here and there just to have a chat with dot watchers and uh she reminded me dude you are on a race you have to race and you have to take it seriously and i said yeah i take it serious and this thing is helping right to to get me out of the out of the bad mood and i feel happy when when i meet dot watchers and and have a chat with them and if it's beneficial for the whole thing and if the 20 minutes more on the gas station help you to do better the rest of the day then you should actively decide to do it and not to put you should always do the things that are right for you and it doesn't it is not helpful if you try to adapt what others do mm. it's the same with the amount of sleep you need the sleep you need and right. there is a difference between i don't know uh sofian needs a different amount of sleep than everybody else on the world so <laughs> he's just uh he's just going crazy with the with the sleep thing and he's <laughs> just doing good with it but uh trying to do the same yeah could be uh, could be pretty 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 bad for you and that's why you have to find your own way whatever it means and then just just stick to it what's good for you I think we should, uh, we got to talk about the basin and the porta potty. I think this is a good time, a good a time as any. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, just take, everybody wants to know about the porta potty. You know that there was a selfie that was taken, that was put on the internet, <laughs> it circulated everywhere. You have the three race leaders of the Tour Divide who are ahead of Mike Hall's record at this point, just huddled up in a porta potty. Take us through that experience, that story, and uh, yeah, take us along for the ride. <laughs> um, I arrived uh, at Atlantic City first. Um, got to the restaurant, ordered some food, started some resupply for the basin, and maybe 
20 minutes later Jens arrived and Justinas at this point of time he was uh, three hours back because on this day he had his first issues uh, with the uh, with the gear and um, he had to stop or find a bike shop and he had to play replace his uh, AXS batteries for for the shifting and do some maintenance on the on the rear derailleur so he was like two three hours back and uh, Jens and me we left together Atlantic City into the basin and uh, at some point uh, I ate something on the bike and slowed a bit down and uh, Jens went away and uh, then I stopped for a, for a pee and soon uh, he had like a significant he was obviously just feeling pretty good um, he had a significant advantage of maybe like three four minutes only on really really long straight stretches and the landscape i was able to see him as like a mini small uh dot moving on a bike and uh also already those two three four minutes i don't know that made a difference because um it started raining and uh i saw uh in the mud or on the route i saw the line of his tires where he was uh, where he was moving and it i clearly saw uh that he was riding and i was already pushing the bike stuck in the mud and mm. cleaning the bike back again and back again and um it took me ages and at some point i passed him and he was laying in the bushes next to the route in in his bivy uh and he said like yeah what what do you have doing i'm i'm here since like more than half an hour hiding in my in my bv and i thought like yeah just just wait out the rain and continue afterwards and i was like yeah i'm crawling along since since one hour or something um trying to push my bike through the mud and what i learned the difference can be five minutes to be here or there so he was still riding i was already pushing in the mud and this only in a difference of five minutes mm. and uh i continued uh pushing the bike um through the mud which was at this point of time um still still doable with a progress of maybe two miles an hour <laughs> and uh i was still still doing it because uh i had booked a hotel in warm sutter and i thought like yeah i have this goal i want to come to the hotel and even if it's even if it's two in the night i will get there somehow and that's why i, I carried on and uh, after i passed him uh jens decided to pack his stuff and also to carry on because um it was getting later and later it was five or six in the evening and he decided like yeah better carry on and not not wait for it and uh there were some sections that were that were good and there were some sections that were that were bad um so he had the chance to catch up with me while i was cleaning the bike for like another 10 minutes because if you hit the wrong side of the route you hit the deep mud and then you have more work to clean it 
if you hit the right side of the route, you maybe have less mud, but you can't see it. It's, it's unpredictable. Uh -huh. And so he catched up with me and uh, we kind of carried on together. But uh, as I say, it can matter if you take the right or the left, right, uh, left lane uh, on the track. And if you are pushing the bikes, I don't know, me in front and Jens uh, behind me, and I get stuck in the deep mud and mm. have to clean a lot, then he just moves around and if the right lane is better, uh, then he is back in front. And then and you catch him and you go around. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing, how it goes for hours and hours and yeah. hours. If, if, you, if the other guy is there uh, stuck in the mud, then you don't wait for it because yeah then it will last forever so uh we were more or less going together but everyone had to had to find his own lane and uh at some point we were really worried um about justinas because um he was behind us two three hours and we had tailwind so the weather were coming from behind and the weather was already grim at the place where we were and we thought like if justinas is coming behind with the weather alone he will be in even more trouble and we were, were a bit worried about it but yeah the worried you are uh, about about fellow racers you cannot do anything and everyone has to do uh his own stuff and at some point i was cleaning my bike and I noticed that behind me there is a light which shouldn't be there because Jens was ahead. And I was like, what the fuck? And it was Justinas. He catched up with us and he, uh, he closed the gap of, of two and a half, three hours uh, in this mud party. Obviously because he was basically, he was basically sailing the weather in terms of there was this moment when Jens passed and the route was still rideable. I passed, the route wasn't rideable. Obviously, it dried up afterwards. <laughs> then Justinas passed through and he was obviously riding a, a lot of the parts that we were pushing. So if you do, I don't know, seven miles an hour and the others are doing two, then you easily close the gap uh, of two hours in, in a very short time. And... Um, this probably happened, so Justinas was just at the right time, at the right place to close the gap. And then it was again the three of us. Um, and it wasn't really raining, because I thought if it was real pouring rain, it wouldn't have been that bad, because then there is more water in the mud and it's more more soft mm. and not that sticky. But it wasn't really raining, it was just just dribbling down. Mm but non-stop and um, that made it impossible to move uh, literally was, there was not even grassland next to the route where you could push there was simply no option where you could push the bike uh, without, uh, without catching mud and um, so the progress, progress slowed down to less than, than one mile an hour and uh, we, we all realized, okay, guys, uh, we should now think about it. 
because this is getting serious. We will, we had some some 40 miles to go to Wormsutter, and with this progress, it was not about doing it to 2 a.m. or whatever. It was more about can we do it in less than 40 hours? And uh, we realized uh, that depending on the development we can get into into really serious trouble uh, because everyone had basically the same sleeping kit. We all were, were running this uh, this emergency BBs. Um, Jens and me, we had the same uh, the same mattress. Uh, Justina's had not even a mattress. Um, so we had no tent to pitch out there and like just wait it out and have a cozy night in the sleeping bag. And we also realized uh, Every one of us has enough food uh, for 12 hours for the next day. But uh, if you end up being stuck for 40 hours, then yeah, then it's a problem. And then it's, it's the contingency discussion. And um, we kind of decided uh, to, to have an eye on each other uh, in this night, just uh, to make sure nobody takes a risk which is not which is not a good idea mm. so we simply said like we can agree on not taking maximal risk just to get away from the others and just to gain an advantage and just take it serious be careful watch out uh, and make it through the night and then we can race on the route again it was basically the decision and um, so we carried on and we also decided uh, to keep on moving because uh, we all were soaked because it was raining all the time and um, we thought if we stop we will end up soon no matter the emergency BV or not we will end up soon in hypothermia and then things get get really shit and uh, so we decided to to keep on moving even if it means like one uh one mile an hour through the whole night let's go for it and at some point jens was in front and he was screaming something <laughs> and uh, i only heard his voice and saw like the shadow of his light because he was maybe like 500 meters away or something uh but i heard him screaming screaming and i got there and it turned out that there is a kind of toilet mounted on a trailer and i didn't get the thing it was not a pit toilet like the normal pit toilets you find along the trail that have like i don't know 10 square meters pretty big comfy it was a pit uh, it was a toilet mounted on a trailer and it was there i don't know why because there was no construction site or mm. there was nothing i don't know why it was there we all don't know so in america we call those porta potties but why they are there <clears throat> that one i don't know why that one was there these like i have heard about um other events like horseback riders uh-huh that will care someone in a truck will pull a porta potty behind all these like horseback riders so the humans can take a shit or take a piss or whatever in the toilet but i have no idea why i was there it's just random it's uh trail magic 
<clears throat> yeah, it was definitely this was definitely definitely trail magic. It it was it was a magic moment, definitely because we were so deep in this trouble of pushing through the whole night through this rain and that this thing appeared. This is literally pure magic, and then we were the three of us inspecting it and then we thought about yeah what 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 could we do what <laughs> what what do we do and uh, we decided to to think about like sharing the resources we have and uh, said like yeah i have um i have an additional additional to my to my bb i have an emergency blanket which is like folded but really big and we can all three sit uh in, in in the toilet and wrap us all together in this uh, in this blanket and we tried this uh but figured out it's it's in the end not warm enough uh so we went out again do you remember how cold it was for context to the story uh it was um maybe seven eight degrees celsius um so not really too cold but also not comfy yeah um, when you're already wet yeah yeah so uh, maybe like half an hour later we decided uh, to get out again and uh, get the emergency bvs from our bikes from our packs uh and everybody like stepped into uh stepped into his uh, emergency bv and we were basically sitting all three uh on the bench uh that it's designed for one actually normally people go alone to the toilet sure uh we were sitting uh, sitting the three of us um on the bench and there was not enough space for for our arms so we were sitting like totally squeezed and and wrapped i don't know how we managed but we were all three uh, uh sitting the fun thing was that we agreed if someone needs to needs to go to the toilet he has to go outside <laughs> <laughs> that was gonna be one of my questions That's yeah. Funny. <laughs> yeah. so we said whatever happens this is uh, this is the living room and if you have to <laughs> have to go to the toilet go somewhere but not here yeah uh, we do not shit in our living room <laughs> no <laughs> um and uh so it was 11 p.m uh when we found this toilet and went in there and it was not about waiting for the bad weather to pass which can be two three hours or whatever it was about waiting there till the mud dried up and it <coughs> it continued raining drizzling uh the whole night so we were stuck in there till 9 a.m in the morning uh it stopped raining at seven and we went out like basically every half hour or every hour um and one took a bike just to test to push 100 meter and and see how the mud is mm. uh how 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 the con consistency is and uh yeah we saw i don't know at seven or something it was the same like in the night and we came back to the toilet and just hang out there chatting trying to sleep <coughs> waiting for it and at nine nine thirty it was the first time that we thought like yeah it's not about riding the bike but it's about a really realistic chance to push it 
and uh, so we were sitting in this porta potty for something like 10 hours uh the three of us and um I guess the the selfie was was taken by by Jens or Justinas. Uh I even had uh my my battery from my phone died mm. and uh I broke my my charging cable so I had no no phone uh <coughs> and no chance to charge it. I had to get uh, a new cable in the gas station warm sutter. Uh so it was even a bit a bit crazy so i had to send i use an inreach device and uh i sent uh, my wife a message from the inreach device where you can like type on the with the with the letters on the on the screen which takes ages just to type one word <laughs> uh i texted her that, that i'm okay and that i'm stuck here and it will take a while uh because <coughs> If you don't get any any information, uh, it looks weird if the three leaders are camping or whatever whatever they do in the middle, and we were right in the middle in the middle of the basin. Yeah. Why why do they stay there from eleven till nine? Did they stop and maybe like sleep till three? Yeah. Okay. It was a long day, and why don't have a sleep in the middle of the basin? But why do they stay there for 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 ten hours or more? Right, uh, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good that uh, at least some of us had uh, had had a phone to to document this uh, the situation. And I the next morning, uh, I took some photos uh, with the with the smartphone of Jens mm. just to just to have some memories on this toilet because i thought like <laughs> nobody will believe what happened here but i haven't seen jens yet i have to have to ask him to to send me the photos that i took with with his phone i don't have them yet but i definitely want to hang them on on on, <laughs> on a thing at at home and want to remember this this was yeah crazy. this was a story that, of the th race that'll never happen again <sighs> how could it, it? <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, there is. It's such a long race, and it's such a close race, and that the three leaders are stuck somewhere in the porta potty, spending the night there together. I guess it didn't happen before in all the years of bikepacking racing, and I'm not sure if it will happen again. <laughs> it's it's just a crazy, crazy, crazy experience. It really is. And so let's dig into it just a little bit more. What were y'all doing in there for 10 hours? Were y'all talking? Were you trying to sleep? Like, how do you even sleep? I, I don't, I cannot conceptualize how three men are in one porta potty. <laughs> like the logistics don't make sense. You know, what were y'all yeah. doing in there? Yeah, we got, uh, we got questions uh, if we were standing there. Right. Um, or how we were placed in there actually as i said we were sitting all three uh on the bench which was uh the bench isn't the toilet it is the toilet okay the, yeah okay yeah. yeah the toilet is part of the bench it's like yeah yeah yeah, 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 I'm yeah. With you. The, the, there is basically the bench and then you have a little bit of in, in, in the middle is the is the actual toilet right and and right and left you have like i don't know 30 centimeters something right would make sense like have the toilet 30 centimeters have left and right 
30 centimeters then you have, have a meter and then it's the toilet uh, we were sitting there and as i said uh our asses were too fat to just sit next to each other so everyone had to had to squeeze um a bit and the arms were not fitting uh as well so everyone was a bit bent and pff, i don't know uh but actually <clears throat> we were kind of sitting there and um because it was it was late in the evening and we were we were tired as hell we were sleeping kind of sleeping i don't know it was not the not the sleep where you lay down and rest but uh yeah you drift away in kind of a sleep and then someone tries to move uh in his emergency bv and you you wake up again but you drift away again so this was basically uh what we did uh through the night and uh Every, everybody was trying to sleep but uh also from now on then <clears throat> we uh, we were just eating things that uh we brought so it's a bit disgusting but you at some point you don't realize anymore that you are in the toilet and you're just sitting in in a sheltered room and you are eating your bars and if i now talk about that i realize how how actually disgusting it is <laughs> sitting on a toilet with three other guys <laughs> eating chocolate bars but it is like it is <clears throat> so um yeah doing doing normal things waiting uh for the time to to pass by so uh we slept a lot and um in the morning i don't know from from six seven uh we tried to make plans how to get out of there and did a few discussions how long we should wait and uh thought about this and yeah shared stories from the race so far and what we uh what we uh, what we experienced and yeah just we we had to make we had to make the best out of it and uh yeah somehow somehow enjoy the time and uh it was actually uh it was actually a bit fun and uh then in the morning <coughs> we decided for for a rotating system so two people can sit which is then a bit more comfortable mm -hmm. uh you have a bit more space and you can have a nap for 20 minutes or something and uh, one is standing and uh i even managed uh, on my standing shift to sleep because <laughs> it was so <clears throat> we call it, it was so narrow that you barely were able to fall over when you nap away so we yeah. were basically still squeezed between the wall and the door and the people so you can just nap away while standing and uh <clears throat> we decided to to rotate i don't know 15 or 20 minutes and then the next one got up and the <laughs> other one could set down and uh this was this was for for a change <laughs> this is so crazy <coughs> need a drink oh good uh was that were those hours i was gonna say moments but those weren't moments that was hours in that porta potty while you were there my calls record was slipping away you're stuck in a porta potty with two other guys were you able to keep a positive frame of mind were you finding yourself getting frustrated like what were you mentally feeling about that i was uh 
it was early on to just to accept the situation because um, I mentally prepared for it that something can happen which you cannot control and I mentally prepared for it to to do a deep assessment of the situation and like take a minute think about what happens here think about what you are doing and think about if you can do anything else what makes it better and what can improve your progress and i took uh several of those those minutes to think about what i can change here and how i can make a difference and i realized there is nothing there is nothing because it was not possible i thought for example i saw the option to clean the bike to carry it on the back and then just to walk but even this was not possible because the mud was so sticky you were you were not able to clean the bike like fully i had a stick to clean it but there is still so much mud left that the bike gains additional five kilo anyway even if you don't see a ton of mud there is a ton somewhere on it and i tried to put it on my back and just hike it but you were not able to hike because your shoes catched so much mud on the soles and everywhere around mm. that your shoes were so heavy as well and i mean sure you can in this manner you can walk for for a while but you won't walk for 15 miles through the night it's not it's not possible and um after realizing that i thought there is no option you simply have to accept the situation um whatever it means um and uh then make the best out of it afterwards and uh so for me uh it wasn't a big problem um that i lost time there and uh, the others were fine with it as well, I guess. We were all pretty positive yeah. because, yeah, there was nothing. I mean, you could be grumpy uh, in the toilet, and uh, <laughs> but it doesn't change anything. Right. Just being grumpy is, yeah. It's just going to put you in a bad mood. Yeah, or... it doesn't help you in there. <clears throat> so that that is a that's a challenging story. I'm wondering... For you, what was your biggest challenge of this entire race? I mean, it could have been that, I don't know, but what was the most challenge, challenging day or time period that you had? A bit more, uh, a bit more after halfway in, uh, I went into a deep hole of a bad mental state because I realized that everything seems to be against me and you can easily end up in, and I ended up there uh, telling yourself that you don't have any chance to do good because everything is against you and in the first week I had a lot of problems uh, with with my setup 
um my electronics was was kind of broken i spent a lot of time to to rework it then i had to buy new cables that were broken i had to buy a new power bank i had to get a lot of stuff uh my my front suspension uh was broken through the mud uh my chain was done with the mud uh there were a lot of uh the, the zippers on my uh, on my packs were not working anymore so they were basically open and uh, all the packs were flooded with water and mud um and nothing 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 was uh, was really working and i lost uh, lost time on racing trying to trying to fix problems and then i had to chase uh the other guys again uh just to just to make up things then the the great basin thing happened and just a lot of small things where you end up in this or i ended up in the state of being like i don't know this doesn't make sense anymore it's not i'm not riding or racing the bike i just maintain bad things and try to bring them to the finish line and uh i got really deep in there and had had two days uh a really bad time and this was what i mentioned <clears throat> beforehand before uh we entered colorado or when we entered colorado it was like raining every day mm. and you had you were every day you were soaked and then you dried up and it started raining again and you were just navigating around and through puddles and when you were happy that you were dry you hit any puddle and your feet were wet again and uh another thing on coco claims uh i my my right shoe uh the boa closed uh, closing um it it died there so i had <laughs> to fix my my right shoe from day one with uh with a zip tie and um also uh the back the heels of my shoe on the inside the cushion was rubbed away from the mud and the small stones and everything so the shoes were completely broken which led that my my feet right now look like a bit i don't know damaged <laughs> kind of don't, don't know how, how how best to describe it um they are a bit sore and <clears throat> this was annoying and i was really in trouble to to get out of this out of this bad mental state and this was probably uh the hardest time for me in the race where i saw everything everything seems to slip away and i i, I was barely able to to get back of control on it and i thought like yeah the other guy is doing great jens is doing a super great super consistent job like every night four hours of sleep pretty happy he actually uh inspired me and i told him he was a very very happy guy on the bike even if it was raining every day mm. and he was just full of a positive attitude and i was not grumpy but i was also not happy and he was just happy mm -hmm. and i thought like yeah 
he's doing he's doing a great job he's doing a very consistent job this is amazing and uh justina is, is also a, a super person uh, a super positive person and all time believing in his goals and uh when i saw him last when he first uh had problems with his derailleur and he was uh right there mounting his chain single speed he said like i wished him good luck and all the best and he said like yeah no worries we will see uh in mexico and we will have beer i will come there single speed no problem <laughs> and uh i really love how uh how he treats uh, uh situations and um I'm I'm not that positive if I'm in a in a bad situation I have to admit and uh yeah I tried to navigate my myself out of this and uh in the end it uh, it worked out and I'm I'm proud of it uh but how how did you navigate yourself out of it uh setting you have or I have to set um a stage um of methodologies and of actions take actions that make you happy right like as i said it's a dot watchers stop for dot watchers chat with them uh i don't know treat yourself with with something special have a seated meal have a seated coffee <clears throat> just just sit there and enjoy mm. and uh also on this day normally i don't stop uh, on route to eat something I eat everything on the bike and I do basically everything on the bike what I can do on the bike uh, but on this day I also decided whenever you think it would be nice to have a seat somewhere on a stone next to the route where the, the views are nice just sit there for 10 minutes have a sandwich or whatever you want to eat eat the stuff enjoy the moment don't care too much about the race whatever uh, <coughs> and just just enjoy the good time and uh this helps to get you out of this uh this black hole and then you realize that it's actually totally beautiful and you can enjoy what you do and then it gets like a positive positive traction uh to get you to get you back on track and yeah same way you can feed on those negative thoughts if you start feeding yeah. yourself positivity positive yeah. experiences then you can start to feed and and yeah. those can grow yeah, yeah that's true what was what was your favorite part of the tour divide or what surprised you that was unexpected about about this race and the and the route in general oh a lot <clears throat> uh my favorite part i guess was uh, was colorado uh Canada was uh, was also the first the very beginning of the route was super beautiful from nature uh, I loved um, <clears throat> loved Colorado uh, which was what was beautiful from the landscape and the mountains and and everything as well uh, what surprised me is uh, is New Mexico um, because I did no in-depth research on the route I just listened to people that shared stories and some that I <clears throat> that I heard and kept in mind were like, yeah, if you're done with Colorado, you enter New Mexico and uh, you you're basically done. You have you just you just have to ship it home. <laughs> and I had this in mind that that New Mexico is no is no big deal anymore. And then I hit New Mexico and oof. It was rough. It was, it was crazy. Uh, 
especially the northern part i had massive 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 headwind even while climbing super steep and rocky climbs even when you push the bike you had the feeling that the wind was pushing you down <laughs> it was oof it was super hard um something like this surprised me and also uh somewhere on the on the last days uh i saw loads of elks in new mexico nice and i didn't expect that i thought like elks this is a thing you have like in canada or you have like in northern montana or something but i learned you have a lot of them in uh, in new mexico as well uh this was uh, this was totally surprising to me and so those are um the few the very few little stories that that i that i have still have in mind and in memory uh which are which are different and i learned that the divide route it's a great it's a surprise it's not over until you literally hit the finish line in antelope wells and it's never it's never easy even uh even if i was uh, was was cruising down towards the finish line during night i had no wind a bit of tailwind uh it was constantly uh going downhill slightly so it was a good part of rolling and then i hit uh the tarmac like i don't know 70 miles out of the finish and mm -hmm. i was just like yeah now get easy find yourself think about process the last two weeks ship it to the finish line enjoy the last hours have a good time and then all good and finish and it turned out i uh i hit hachita which is 45 miles out of the finish and the wind increased first i was going still pretty fast and tempo dropped a bit a bit more a bit more and i was really pushing hard just against the headwind and it basically uh it destroyed me a bit the last hours of <laughs> enjoying the race because you were so stuck first i thought um i will need something like two and a half three hours for the 45 miles one hour later i thought like yeah i will still need like three hours for the rest of the ride one hour later already like three hours in i thought i will at least need two more it was it was super slow and um yeah i tried to try to make the best out of it and uh also um matthew lee he texted me uh and said like yeah you're almost done you will be there like within the next hour and uh we were we were chatting a bit and i told him like yeah actually i think about just turn around <laughs> use the tailwind go back to hatchita have some food a shower and stuff <laughs> there have a good time and wait for better weather and then, <laughs> then sail with the wind and do the finish uh on uh a bit later when the weather is better uh but it was i guess the right decision just to just to carry on because during day uh the wind just got worse yeah so uh there was there was not much waiting for uh for for better weather but uh it's good to be out here for me because <clears throat> it, it is hard to understand how exposed you are out here to yeah. the sun and the wind and 
there is there is nothing to stop any of it and no. you're feeling every single part of all that and it is it's you know we got a heat index of 111 the the wind was gusting up to 40 miles an hour and and there's nothing to hide from you just yeah. you're in it for the entirety of the day yeah it's crazy to think about yeah that's uh yeah that were uh that were the tough last hours uh, of the race and it shows you it's not over until it's over and this kind of there were several uh things on the route that were like this uh shortly before silver city um also in new, new mexico you are going up and down all the day on fire roads and at some point you get you get bored of them because it's just going up and then it goes down again and you start climbing again and it's it's hot it's it's windy it's not nice <laughs> and you just wait to hit silver city to to get your resupplies and everything and then there is just like one climb left which is marked with nine kilometers uh four percent in average so not a big deal you will be over it soon and then you come there and you realize um <coughs> it's actually uh powered of a hiking route and it's a kind of a single trail mm -hmm. which is very 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 narrow and i hit it uh to to sunset um and it got dark and i don't know maybe it was not that narrow but after 13 days on the bike you don't have this this fine control over yeah. your handlebar and over your your whole body movement anymore so you struggle uh, a struggle a bit more in holding the line and if the trail is only 30 centimeters on left or right it goes down for for a fair amount of meters you don't want to fall over and it's it was a real struggle uh to to get through it and was uh it was uphill so it was a climb single trail whatever it climbed and um it takes you ages uh to clear it so i thought like <coughs> nine nine kilometers with a four percent average it's it's an hour so you will clear it in an hour in the end it took like two and a half or something mm. and uh this this adds the kind of surprises right. you always have to be ready that it doesn't yeah, mentally it, check it, out it, yeah it doesn't continue necessarily like it was the whole day it can change every moment and uh that's uh, that's so fascinating so uh to divide is basically full of full of surprises and the next surprise can wait around the next corner yeah i think that's got to be one of the hardest things to do is to stay mentally engaged and have that you know continue to have that mental pressure that you put on yourself to keep pushing for 14 days you yeah. know yeah well uh what's next for you this was uh check tour divide win uh fastest time on this route huh. uh what what is next do you have any other big races lined up that you're planning for or did you just kind of make tour divide the big goal and then reassess after this 
yeah it was uh it was the big goal for um for this year and um <clears throat> i don't have major plans yet i will uh, i will get back home uh, i will have some um some holiday uh some some easy time uh the next few weeks and uh see what sponsors give you a call uh and then yeah <laughs> then, then, then let's see uh first i have to uh I have to repair the bike so I cannot just take the bike and uh, and go on the uh, on the next route and on the next race uh, there is uh, quite some stuff uh, which is totally broken and needs to be replaced and maintained uh, so I need to get this ready uh, to go and then uh, go out and rock again um, but I will make plans uh, within the within the next weeks and uh, then let's see uh, what's what's up next yeah the list is long uh it's it's a list full of ideas and uh it always has to match a bit with uh with like real life which is still still happening i still have a job i still have a family yeah. so um i have to do uh i have to take care of some some other things as well not only um riding the bike but therefore i have this this long long list uh, of things that that I want to do, and uh, at some point I will just just sit down, look at it, and then think about what could be the next the next cool thing to do. Yeah, well, I can't wait to see whatever it is uh, gonna be, and uh, I'll let you go and take a nap or eat or whatever it is that you need to do to continue to uh, replenish everything that you lost over the last fourteen days, but. Um, thank you very much for, you know, coming on the podcast and sharing a part of your journey and, and maybe on behalf of the whole bikepacking community, you know, congratulations and, and thank you for putting on a hell of a show and thank you for leaving it all out there. You know, I mean, as a fan of this sport, it was, it was a hell of a race to watch and it's an honor to be here and to be able to chat with you and hear a little bit about your story. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me was a good chat really loved it and uh yeah let's go and have another beer all right cheers my friend cheers all right everyone that is it for today's episode again a major shout out and a congratulations goes to uba for putting on one hell of a race uh we talked about just a little bit of it in this two-hour podcast i hope you enjoyed it i sure did I am still here at the bike ranch. I'm going to be here for about 24 more hours. Uh, going to be taking some pictures, going to be hoping to snag another interview or two. And uh, I'll be sharing all of that with you on the interwebs. Of course, you can always follow Bikes or Death on Instagram or anywhere at Bikes or Death. And if you'd like to support this work, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash Bikes or Death. Until next time. You know what to do. Go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts kept you awake. The sounds they made kept you afraid. In the morning, you packed your bike. Memories forgotten from the previous night. You rode faster than ever before. Was it your imagination or merely folklore? Fear turned into strength as you pushed further. Every pedal stroke stronger and firmer. Your bike feels weightless 
tired You think to yourself Just a few more miles Bikes Oh, death Bikes Oh, death 